0: And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly emails where I share actionable website and B2B marketing tips, useful podcasts, goodies, and more. You can give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Kat Anderson, Kat's the head of international marketing over at Sprout Social. Kat, welcome to the show. How are we doing?
1: Hi, Sam. Lovely to see you. Yeah, I'm doing great today. Thank you. It's supposed to be the most miserable day of the year, but it's actually quite sunny here in Ireland. So I don't know what's going on. That's like, doesn't make sense.
0: (laughs) Signs of a great day. Yeah, we've actually got a rare, rare sunny day after a ton of rain and hail and, and everything you could name under the sun weather wise. So yeah, nice. Nice to see some some sun shining. But today, we're going to be chatting why B two B marketing should get prospects emotional. Which is uh, yeah, it should be a should be a fun fun episode. Some people might be tuning in thinking, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> like, does does that mean they need to start bawling their eyes out? Do they need to laugh? <laughs> do they need to do something in between? So first and foremost, Kat, what the heck does actually getting emotional with your marketing mean?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's not. Yeah, we're obviously not trying to get people sobbing, you know, uh, but I mean, maybe also that sometimes works as well. Basically, emotional marketing is exactly as it sounds. It's using emotion to actually um, help assist sort of the buying process. Now, that sounds incredibly mercenary, but it's been proven time and time again that when people are making decisions A lot of the time, emotion does play quite a big part of that. In fact, when people are making any kind of decisions at all, emotion plays a huge role in it. Um, And typically in B2B marketing, we kind of I don't know what it is about B2B, but things suddenly get very stuffy and very, you know, we sort of it feels like we're selling into corporate uh, like buildings rather than actual human beings who we're trying to connect Mm -hmm. with and that whole emotional side of the buying process is woefully neglected. Um, Last year there was loads and loads and loads of reports that came out um, that showed that basically incorporating emotion and trying to make your prospects laugh or trying to make them have some kind of emotional reaction would yield amazing results uh, for pretty much all industries, but particularly in B2B because it's so neglected. You have a real opportunity to stand out. So, yeah, and the B2B Cans and Lions Award came out last year for B2B, and they, I think, were very interested in emotional campaigns with that. So, you know, it's the the hot topic, I'm telling you. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird, right, because it feels like B2C brands – especially with the era of TikTok where we're in, where they're just going crazy. They're experimenting like mad, like all these different short form content, trying a bunch of different things, getting relevant influences in their field to promote their goods in an educational but entertaining manner. But then, yeah, there's some B2B companies that nail it for sure. But the majority of B2B companies are still doing the same thing they've done for 10 years because it's almost like they're scared. They're kind of stuck in a bubble and they feel, oh, B2B is super corporate. We're not really dealing with normal people. We're dealing with businesses. So we have to be super smart, super, super informal, no, super formal rather. And um, yes, yeah, it's a strange one, right? I mean, it's it's almost like a mindset thing, isn't it? That we're, I feel, yeah. anyway, I don't know what your thoughts are on it.
1: No, I definitely think so. And I think with B2C, um, there's just a bit more of a, there's, they're a little bit more, uh you know inclined to take a bit of a risk even a calculated risk to experiment a little bit more with b2b typically the contracts are going to be a lot bigger Mm. and there are going to be more uh, approval processes baked into the process as well so you've got to get more heads above you nodding yes to your crazy half-baked idea and that's where a lot of the times things get shut down um Mm. And so I think, yeah, B2B just is a little bit more risk averse because there's a little bit more to lose or that's what the perception is anyway. But in fact, yeah, there's, yeah, as I say, there's loads to suggest that actually, I I firmly believe this is not only at the minute. I think at the minute, this is something where it's, you can get an early adoption advantage by doing this and by trying to incorporate it into your marketing strategy. But I soon think what's going to happen is this is very going to quickly change into where you're gonna be disadvantaged if you don't do this with your marketing strategy. Because I think how people are interacting and buying things has also changed quite a lot after the pandemic. I think everyone was very isolated from each other. And you know, even within the corporate world, then when all the Zoom meetings started coming on and people saw that people were wearing their pajamas on the bottom half and business suit on the top,
0: <laughs> the yeah. human
1: side of business kind of came in a lot more. And I think, as isolated as we were, we were looking for more connections, more human connections. And I think that that is absolutely spilling into the B two B world at the minute.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. Um, I mean, the way way I see it is almost if you're if you're not adding these things, if you're not being different to every other B two B company, B two B organisation, it's almost like you're just you're not standing out because so many companies do the same stuff, whether that's on social, just resharing blog posts, um, sharing the events they're up to and that kind of stuff. And it's like, I've seen this thing thousands of times, whether it's on LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever social channel. Um, so it kind of, your, your mind almost just blanks it because you just see it from every, every org. Whereas when, one company does something a bit different, it stands out massively. And like you said, B2C has a lot more flexibility. They tend to be a lot more experimental, um, but B2B is, B2B in most of the time is a longer sales cycle, typically bigger ticket items that you're trying to deal with. And there's usually multiple stakeholders involved that uh, the larger the sales cycle um, and the larger the ticket of the item. However, doesn't mean you're not dealing with people. Exactly. Um, like. <laughs> I say, it, To the root of this show that they're still emotional. So with that said... How, how do these things we've talked about so far, like how does getting our prospects emotional, how is that going to impact our bottom line as a business or our revenue, do you think?
1: So, yeah, so basically it's, uh, right, the one thing I actually really want to quickly talk about with that, though, is so if you're getting them emotional, so Sam, say I'm trying to sell you something, and Company X is also trying to sell you the same thing, but yeah. during sort of the prospecting period, you sort of see some of our marketing, and you laugh and especially if it's on social media as well like say it's on LinkedIn we're constantly posting whether it actually is maybe really helpful content or really funny content or really thought-provoking content you will actually start to have a neurological reaction and that's why social media I think is also really good for this because you have that frequency so you will start to go like ah kat anderson's stuff is always really like funny say for example or it's always you know there's always good value from that so then when you actually get to that rfp process or whatever you know decision making process is you already actually have that bias built in where you're like oh i've seen their stuff on on instagram Mm. and like it's really good and that's I mean, it would be great if we all were unbiased creatures, but we're not. Um, So I think, like, oiling the wheel with a little bit of bias is always really, really good when it actually comes to, like, making a decision and putting ink on a contract. But in terms of how it actually affects your bottom line, um, I do actually have some figures here. So we did some work last year with LinkedIn Creative Labs, um, and basically at the minute, 71% of B2B ads are likely to generate no sales. Well, that was in 2021. So that's like, if you're just sort of generally thinking about average B2B, they just don't generate sales. Like it's very hard to tangibly tie them back to revenue. However, whenever you start to use emotions, so LinkedIn did this amazing uh, uh, report basically where they analyze and because they have the different types of emotional responses that you can do. So there's like celebrate, love, uh, support all of the little emojis uh, cool. they were able to analyze all of these different industry brackets and um, different whether it's software whether it's luxury goods whatever it was but pr- with particular focus to b2b and across awareness consideration uh, uh, and absolutely right the way down to um, conversion it improved click-through rate, it improved engagement rate, it improved form fill rate, uh, followers added year to date. It improved absolutely everything. Um, and so ultimately it was considered that by having this magnifying effect on every single part of your funnel and um, you're getting more leads straight into the hands of the salespeople.
0: Yeah, it is, it's a funny one. Like, I've got a few examples that I've shared on the show I think before. Like for a, a while ago, our company WebChoice were wanting to try. So we, we focus on inbound, right? Websites, SEO, attracting prospects to ourselves and our clients. Now we wanted to try some outbound. And but I naturally was biased towards one company purely because I'd seen the two founders posting on LinkedIn for like six months. And yeah. most of their stuff's quite funny. Like they joke around cold calling and outbound and things like that. Um, but because I'd seen them in the feed every day, like showing funny stuff, showing tips, insights, ideas, video clips and all this stuff. I literally thought, well, I'm gonna ask them straight away. I don't yeah. even, in this case, I don't even need to search around, compare vendors because I've been seeing them in my feed, because I trust them, they've entertained me. Um, providing they're they're not tens and tens of thousands, they're half reasonable with their rates. Probably just gonna inquire with yeah. them if I'm happy with what they say, probably use them. So it's like you nailed it on the head by saying you build a like an emotional bias. If you are seeing a company that's actually giving you, I guess, in my case, it was a little bit of value, a little bit of entertainment, um, a little bit of a concoction of all those things. Yeah. Which then made them the the top choice in my mind.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a really good example, because, again, there's a real danger, I think. And uh, my past life as, you know, working in content marketing and copywriting, I think there's a real danger in B2B of falling heavily on the side of business jargon, which actually sometimes starts to become a little bit of like an invisible language. You don't really know what people are saying anymore. Mm. Whereas if you have a company like what you've described, like I think as well, uh, I was lucky enough to meet Tom Boston last year. So Tom Boston works for Salesloft, And if you're on LinkedIn at all, I'm sure you've seen him. So he's based in the North of England. And I believe Salesloft's uh, value prop is that they help salespeople do their job better now he's probably going to kill me though that's not exactly mm. what they do but what Tom Boston does is that he as an individual has started to make these hilarious videos just sort of encapsulating the trials and tribulations of being a salesman and it's you know a real warts and all sort of uh, that's why it's funny you know because people will see it and they're like oh my goodness that's absolutely the truth of it it's not all like you know we're killing it all the time it's that there's struggles and stuff and he's become really successful from doing that because not only does he make people laugh but because he's embodying the problem and the actual lived-in experience of his target mm-hmm. audience it also creates trust that they see it and go like okay well they really do know what they're talking about and they're being really honest about it and um, another really good b2b that I think really nails this unbelievably well and have been doing it for a long time is MailChimp so MailChimp, I think, infuse humor throughout their entire product, through their whole customer journey, which I just think is fabulous. You know, Um, and again, they really understand the end user um, and they, you know, they bake little jokes into the actual product. So from like the beginning to the end, it's a really consistent, like light, fun, enjoyable experience where email marketing can usually be. Quite stressful and terrifying, actually, whereas MailChimp make it really fun. So there's some people out there doing it really well, but they are establishing themselves as industry leaders because there's very little competition.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a fair point. And something you kind of alluded to there with the Tom Boston and Sales Loft example is they're almost relatable. So I think a lot of, whether it's people themselves or companies, are almost scared to be vulnerable not in the nest when i say that i mean not necessarily to say everything that's wrong with them but just to share some flaws like in tom's case he's like sharing the ups and downs of being a sales rep and like Mm -hmm. the really bad parts which might be getting sworn out on a cold call or the really good parts which might be booking a meeting winning a deal helping a client whatever um whereas a lot of businesses just want to make everything sound like it's super great super squeaky it's doing really yeah. well whereas when you actually start getting to the nitty-gritty like you mentioned there then pr- people are like oh you're actually a, a real person and you're going through the same kind of things I'm dealing with and I suppose that's when this kind of trust is built and you yeah know, actually that's when the emotional level kicks in and that's when people I suppose subconsciously start thinking like this is someone that I can trust and I'm probably going to follow them a bit closer now
1: yeah totally because again if you're thinking so say you're selling software You know, you obviously want the software to be squeaky clean and wonderful, but we are all flawed humans. You know, no matter what your corporate mask is about how wonderful you are, everyone has brought times where, especially actually when you're buying a new bit of software in that particular example, a new bit of anything for your business usually has a few bumps on the way to you being like a pro user of it. You know, like it takes a little bit of getting used to. So if you know that somebody is presenting themselves in that vulnerable way, in that way to say like, I don't, you know, I don't get everything right all the time, or I really understand where you're coming from. It's like immediately the person you're gonna wanna do business with. It's just actually fascinating that, I just really love this topic because it is fascinating to me that more companies don't do this, you know, because it seems like such a no brainer, but I think you're really correct, Sam, in bringing up that vulnerability piece, because I think people can be a little bit afraid to show that sometimes but actually you know I actually think right across our lives as humans the more vulnerable we are actually you get 10 times back for it you know like people really react quite well to it because i think it is and lord help me this is such a buzzword but it's authentic you know uh-huh. like, yeah i know that is such a buzzword but i think true authenticity you know it when you see it and if someone is actually being sincere you can tell
0: yeah yeah it's it's like one of those things right so LinkedIn, a lot of people that perhaps haven't used it as much or are maybe trained by their company on LinkedIn think it's a super corporate B2B social media site. And it is a B2B site. It is a B2B social Mm -hmm. network. But the people that I know, because we've interviewed hundreds of people on this show, right, um, over the years, the people I know that are actually doing the best on LinkedIn, and I mean not just talking a good game on LinkedIn, but generally generating a lot of inbound ops and serious revenue, are literally telling it how it is like they're messing yep. around on linkedin they're telling the highs they're telling the lows they're giving some good education good value good tips along the way but they're not like being corporate in inverted commas as it were they're sharing everything like they, they're probably they're possibly even sharing like their own company's revenue the, the things they're doing each day the tips they're learning learning the experiments they're running um all this kind of stuff and those those are some of the people that are doing the best Um, that Mm -hmm. I've seen anyway, hands-on, on on, on the platform that are actually generating good revenue from it. So that's like a, a big takeaway. Are you tired of the competition, stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. But well, with that all said, anyone that's tuning in or businesses that are tuning in that are listening or watching and thinking, this all sounds quite good. I'm kind of getting the feeling that getting prospects emotional um, with our marketing <laughs> could be worthwhile. Are there any steps you recommend, Kat, for people that want to start putting this into play on what they can start doing?
1: Yeah, so I would say... Uh again that authenticity piece I think it would it's you can't go too far away from like your core values so I think like Mm. taking a look at like your core values of uh, of what you are as a business you know if you are I don't know an insurance institution or something and you suddenly are starting to like crack wild jokes on TikTok it probably is gonna like not really gel so I think like humor is always the example that people use but there's lots of other things that you can do to try and like show your emotional value and like show what you stand for as a company and evoke an emotional response in people and so try and make sure that it does actually still sound like and fits your brand voice i also think what i was saying about understanding your core audience so understanding your core audience and understanding you know what their day-to-day lives look like, like where, like, again, so that may, may literally be as well, like, so if you want to start experimenting on TikTok, for example, or yep. you think, nope, they're primarily going to be in LinkedIn, understanding where they're actually going to be. But again, understanding their pain points as well. I do think pain points is quite a good way. I mean, that's quite an easy win if you can go in and sort of address that and make people feel like, oh, they really get it, they really understand it. Um, I think as well, Another nice thing to do, as you said, is to share lots of information as well. Because again, even just by being helpful, it's like uh, having that inbound sort of strategy of sharing, sharing lots of information and not even having it gated. I think we're even moving away from like gated sharing of information now. It's about like creating that response in the person to think, oh wow, Sam Dunning always has loads of information. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Will be doing business with him. That's the that's what you want to be creating. You know, you can use that as a sign, bite sign if you want as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one one percent of the time I do. Yeah.
1: I think you're selling yourself short.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I like the examples. So yeah, understanding your audience, understanding who you want to attract, who you want to build trust with, who you're looking to convert is is key. Um, yeah, problems, pain points, I think is what the amount of businesses that i speak to and when we when we at webchoice that can't clearly define the exact problem they solve and for the exact market yeah. is outstanding like it shocks me that yeah. experienced marketers experienced business owners are not sure on the the problem the key two or three problems they fix and the persona so i think if yeah. you haven't done that they need to start talking to your your best current class of customers or target customers and understand what are those main juicy problems they came to you with to fix? Because that is gold. That is stuff that you can leverage on your homepage or landing page. Um, cause like you said, benefits are okay. But I, in my opinion, anyway, problems, juicy problems, like bleeding neck problems that a guy called, uh, Louis Grenier quoted on everybody hates marketers are just so good for all forms of marketing, whether that's your website, landing pages, whether that's for LinkedIn ads, um, If you can really know those top two or three issues that people come to you with, then that makes killer content um, because you can build so many stories and videos and pieces of content, blog articles around addressing those points. So it's something that it's just marketing 101. Um, Yeah. And then a lot of off that will spill a lot of questions and things that you can address with content. So it's it's so important. And then, like you mentioned, not getting content. Um, I think, yes, it's a fair point. I think it's far too much content these days is gated that might not need to be um i think like on many podcasts these days they share that the, the marketing qualified lead the, the enter your email address for this ebook is is hopefully slowly phasing out um, yeah <laughs> but yes yeah, it's a it's it's, uh, it's it's a different one i think it's something that's going to take a few years for companies to take yeah. a shift um of
1: course it will but i think another thing as well just to add in is um Uh, typically in b2b we spoke about it earlier there's um a heavy risk aversion so people are sometimes like well we have always done it this way we do Mm. not want to change and start we don't want to experiment with new channels we don't want to experiment with a new tone a new brand voice and that's completely a normal reaction because people don't like change and that's fine so what i have always found to be really helpful in that moment is to number one present data that supports your argument and luckily in this particular instance there is heaps of data that you can find now that will support you in that this is a a, a, this is a strategy that is going to bring value to your business so you can get all of that information that will support your argument then and I think if you sort of say we are going to change our brand voice and do x y and z and it's going to be great people will not like that as well so again what I typically do is put a sort of a framework around it so say we would like to experiment on this channel for six months um, Mm -hmm. and we're going to do x y and z Put it, put some parameters around it then also say like what your hypothesis is and say what I'm Uh, What I hypothesize is that at the end of this six months, I will have grown the followership. I will have like increased, uh, you know, the leads to the funnel, whatever it is. um, And give them tangible value that you think that you can deliver as well. If you're feeling extremely confident, I also think it's really good to maybe like present uh, a result that's appealing to them. But if you're very confident you can deliver more than that. Go a little bit under so that you can really like smash it at the end of that six months then and go like, okay, well look, we've completed, we've concluded this test that we ran on LinkedIn where we're trying to generate more emotional emojis rather than like just the likes or whatever. And this is the impact that it's had on the funnel, blah, 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 blah. And then roll it out from there. I think so often people can get I, I mean myself as well in my own career a 100 million times get so excited by something that you're like oh i want to go all guns blazing and people just will not go for that so putting things into parameters putting framing things as a test is really really good and then just on that testing side as well um if you do get a little bit more flexibility and you are able to test whew, this is something you should definitely play around with and experiment with so i think like Experiment with your tone of voice. And again, I always say that this is where social media is really handy for marketers because other forms of marketing typically uh, are a lot slower to put together. It's, you know, a little bit like they last longer. So there's there is a little bit more risk involved, whereas with social media, you know, you've got that feed. It's moving fast. You can, of course, use a tool like Sprout Social to analyze how your social Uh, feeds are actually performing and you'll be able to very quickly see okay this type of tone is working better like this time of day is working better and this is the style of content that we should move forward and apply to other channels and you can analyze all of that which is just crazy that you can analyze things like you know uh how emotional your marketing is I think it's really really exciting but yeah I think experimentation and I believe in your birthday post that you put on LinkedIn there Sam I was saying you it was your birthday the other day and you did a great yep. post about 32 lessons. I believe you did say be experimental in there, well, didn't you? Yeah, I think, yeah. So. yeah. You, experimental is something
0: the... I, I love. Like, I, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I don't think enough companies try experiments because, like you say, a lot of businesses, not all, but many are, are scared to do or scared to break the trend. They kind of know what's working OK for them, but they think if they try something new, they might have issues. The thing is, with the way that B two B and the way that marketing moves, like if you're not experimenting, you you are going to fall behind, and revenue is going to be impacted. And especially with the state that B two B tech companies are right now, like companies are let, having layoffs left, right, and center, funding issues falling through, and all this stuff. So if you're not trying new channels with small tests, then you're gonna you're gonna see you're not gonna be here too much longer. Because yeah, it's it's one of those things. And like you you've just laid out a really nice way that you can get buy-in it sounds like from the rest of your team so if you're dealing with upper management and you need to put a case forward if you can look into something provide some industry stats if you can back it up with a hypothesis some data and say look we're going to do a four month six month test here's what we think will happen um can we get some flexibility can we get some budget around this and then if it works great we ramp it up if not at least we've tried it we learn yeah. we we'll move on to the next one um absolutely which is, I think it's just good business, really, because if, you, if, if you're relying on everything that's working now, what's to say that you're doing really well on LinkedIn, but perhaps the algorithm changes or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is, or likewise, maybe email marketing starts flopping. and If you've got a range of channels that can build brand, build awareness, build trust and drive inbound and drive revenue, if you can slowly creep those up, then it's only going to help, right? Oh,
1: 100%. And like, I think if you're working, anyone who's working in digital marketing knows that this is a field that is changing like weekly, if not daily. It sometimes feels hourly, you know, it's changing a lot. And so you do, you have to sort of keep your finger on the pulse and keep trying things. I totally agree with you. I think the reason I feel like there's just a perception that maybe people who are ultimately signing off on the larger decisions and who maybe don't work in digital marketing, but like, you know, maybe peek into that world. They're just seeing, I don't know, BTS on TikTok or something. And they're like, what? This has got nothing to do with my business. And they don't understand how they can be connected. And obviously everything that is absolutely bursting at the forefront of like any sort of uh, marketing evolution where, you know, B2B is going to be a wee bit further behind that. And it will be iterated to fit B2B. It's not going to be like what you're going to see influencers doing or what you're going to see like just general users doing it's going to be iterated to fit the actual market and the use case so that's why I think that's why I think the fear is there a little bit because they're like ah I don't understand this so we can't fit into it but it won't be the same as that
0: yeah 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 some good points some good points I mean there's um one one big example that experimentation is is the way to go. Is that Chris Walker over at Refine Labs has pretty much shifted his whole business model into research and development for the B two oh, B tech wow. space. Um, so it kind of shows you that that's one way things are going. Not that that necessarily has to follow for every every other B two B or tech company, but um, it's interesting. And I think like like we've discussed, their experimentation is something that even if even if you're a marketer and you're in an organisation that perhaps won't let you do it or won't let you have budget, I'd say perhaps move to one that might or start your own experiments Ooh. on the side as a side <laughs> yeah. side hustle. Um, like if you don't want to take that kind of risk, then um, do something you're passionate about on the side and, and see how yeah. it goes. Like start a podcast, start your own website, start an, start your own blog, build a mini Shopify store. Because um, these, these kind of skills are hugely worthwhile um, yeah. for your own self-development business sense seeing what works in marketing and it's only going to help you in later careers when you can bring these as experiments that you've learned from one with failed with to other future employers or even starting your own org. So it's yeah, super, super sound advice that.
1: Totally. And I feel like, yeah, who is not going to be, you know, attracted to someone who can say on their CV, I experimented in X, Y, and Z like in my own time, that shows Mm. passion, that shows like the, ability to experiment with things. I also think, and I know it's incredibly cliche, but again, it's totally okay if things fail. If you try Hmm. something and it doesn't work, you come away with learnings for it. I think it's better to do that than to not try things. But like, again, with this one, I honestly, just all of the data, all of the reports, they all just point to it being such an easy win that it's just overlooked, that this is something I, I could be bleating on for days for weeks about this subject <laughs> because i'm so passionate about it
0: good <laughs> stuff uh, well yeah with that cat i want to thank you very much for coming on sharing why getting prospects emotional with b2b marketing is so important enjoyed the, the conversation so please do tell our audience where they can learn more about yourself sprout social in any way you'd like to send them to
1: yeah well um i would love if you wanted to find out a little bit more about Sprout social sprite and um, uh, we'll tell you a little bit about like our, our software our service and what we provide for you and how we can help your business take its social media strategy and its business strategy to the next level but it's also absolutely chock-a-block with a resources section where there is a blog that has got every topic every single problem you could possibly imagine we've got some answers for we also run the loads and loads of webinars um, and we actually have a really great one coming up next month called how to engage gen z with tiktok which is also another big juicy subject that I think a lot of marketers are a little bamboozled by. Um, as for myself, I'm always on LinkedIn, frankly. So um, yeah, name's Kat Anderson. If you have any questions at all, please reach out. I'd be happy to talk to you.
0: Awesome. We'll put all of those links on the show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. All of that. Thanks once again. Cheers, Cat. Thanks, Sam. Um, bye. Sure. No worries. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way. Or if you're on YouTube, a quick subscribe is appreciated. And we'll catch you on the next one for more No BS actionable B2B marketing tips to grow business, grow revenue. Catch you on the next one.